This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. We have a very special guest with us this morning, uh, Mohammed. And then, Mohammed, you're going to have to tell me and pronounce for me your last name. Uh, it's Saeed. Saeed. Okay. That's what I thought it probably was, but I, I hate messing up people's names. Michael is usually much better at that than I am. Uh, you should hear <laughs> him try and pronounce Farik's name. Michael, do you yeah. want to try that for us? Yeah, sure. It's Freik. See? Much better. Much better than I <laughs> So we've got Mohammed Saeed with us on the show this morning. And we have an interesting situation because usually we are trying to overcome a 14-hour time gap between Michael and myself. And this morning, we've got people from three different time zones, three different continents. So uh, this, was a little bit, this was a little bit different. So it is 3.30 a.m. for me right now. It is 10.30 for uh, Mohammed. And for Michael, it is 6 p.m. So, whew, I, uh, I'm feeling it. So <laughs> hopefully it doesn't come through <laughs> in the interview. Uh, but Muhammad, You are welcome, a trooper. Yeah, welcome to the show, Muhammad. We're super glad to have you on this, uh, this morning. We wanted to have you on. Uh, we were asked by uh, a listener to have you on the show and just kind of get some of the perspective uh, you've had with working with Taylor and, and talk about a couple other things. So... Yeah, would you just take a minute here and introduce yourself for those people who may not be uh, familiar with who you are? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit about your journey into programming as well. All right. Uh, well, as a start, my name is uh, Mohammed Saeed, and uh, I'm currently living in Hergada, Egypt. Hergada is a small city on the Red Sea, and uh, I started programming when I was very young. Uh, like 13 years old or so, I started doing like some uh, Macromedia Flash uh, stuff uh, in the school. And uh, that's pretty much how, how I started doing just some short uh, animation movies. And then I started uh, moving to web development. Besides web development, I also uh, like swimming and diving. It's, it's one of my hobbies that I'd like to do when I'm not doing programming and I'm not doing shopping with my wife because she likes shopping too, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a universal that's a, truth, think, Muhammad. Yeah, that is a universal <laughs> truth right there, my friend. Yes. So when I'm not programming and I'm not with my wife doing shopping, I just jump into the sea and uh, try to enjoy it. It's very peaceful and uh, I like it very much. So that's pretty much who I am. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm looking at your uh, picture here. On uh, we're on Hangouts here, and I can see your profile picture. And you're at a pool. I never, I never saw that before. So, uh, very cool. Do you do anything competitively, or has it just always been something you've done for enjoyment? Yeah, no, I just enjoy it. Like uh, the fun thing is, before like uh, one year ago, I was uh, hating swimming. I didn't like it, and I didn't like the sea because when I was very young, uh, my trainer, when I was training. Uh, in swimming and so he was uh, he like he pushed me too hard that I started to hate swimming but mm. like uh, one year mm. ago I started to and yeah, to to make it uh, better with the sea to to enjoy it and to not think about anything and then I saw a couple of free divers diving into oh, into wow, the deep cool. 
Yes, so I, I really liked what they are doing and I wanted to, to try to do it myself until uh, some guy from uh, Belgium, uh, he saw me trying to learn. So he just grabbed me and teached me for the past like four months until now I can go uh, as deep as 20 meters in the, in the ocean. Help us Americans here. Nice. How far is 20 meters? What's a conversion? Michael, <laughs> want to help me out? Our human conversion calculator. Uh, He's gonna Google it. Come on, Mike. Yeah. Uh, right. Good question. Twenty meters to oh, it's twenty-one point eight seven yards. No way. Is it? That's like sixty feet. You can go sixty feet underwater. Yes. Sixty-five feet. Oh my word. What? That's insane. Yeah. So this is more than just like this is more than just like uh, oh I occasionally swim. We're talking about free diving here, where you basically hold your breath for inordinate amount of times and, and and go 65 feet underwater. Wow. That's incredible. Very cool. I had no idea you were into that. That's that's pretty that's pretty neat. I never thought I'd be into that. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to find a place in New York uh, at Laracon. Are you going to be able to attend Laracon New York? I'm not sure yet, but uh, I'll okay. be able to 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 I need to to know if I'll be able to make it or not during April. But I hope I hope I can make it. Fingers crossed. Okay. Very cool. I was going to say, we're going to have to find a place to go free diving somewhere in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they have very yeah. many pools. That the need. Hudson, right? Yeah, the Hudson. Is the That's Hudson right. There you go, the Hudson. Yeah, we'll watch you dive off the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> and then uh, count as you go underwater there. It'll be fun. Find a couple things. Uh, so, uh, macro... I'm not sure Taylor would, uh, would appreciate yeah. that somehow. Yeah, true. <laughs> It's funny, I, Michael. Do you have any experience with Macromedia Flash? Was that ever anything that you worked with? I did when I was in high school. Uh, I did a. It was what was the I don't remember the subject now, but um, yeah, Flash and was was a big part of it. And I was, I was never particularly good at it. A couple of my friends spent a lot of time doing uh, all kinds of sort of weird animated things, and they actually won an award for something they did. And I wish I could find it. It was kind of a a South Park-esque animation, um, which they which they showed off at the end of your assembly, which may not necessarily have been appropriate <laughs> for the school audience, but you know they they did they did a good job of it. But it was never like I could never get my head around it. I got as far as motion tweening, and and it all became too much. And that's when I sort of started looking more into programming. Yeah, and I, it's funny because I have that common thread as well. Flash was the first thing that really got me into programming and maybe it was just kind of the time frame uh flash was huge on the web for a while there where it wasn't just animation mm -hmm. really you were programming entire websites in flash and you had the whole preload sort of stage where like you'd sit there for three minutes because you had dial-up internet or whatever <laughs> uh wait for this web page to load and then have all these fancy animations and uh yeah and then i i started doing action scripting uh which was the macromedia flash programming that you could kind of do behind the scenes and you could work with objects and instances and move stuff around and use math and uh yeah that was that was kind of actually the start my start of of web development was flash that was where where i really started to get into it and spent a lot of time on that is is that the case for you muhammad as well or was it more just sort of a animation thing and then you followed the similar path to michael where you started looking into programming rather than kind of using flash as the outlet for that well, actually, at this time, I, I thought that the only way to build websites was using Macromedia Flash. So mm. I was into, I was interested in building websites, but that's the only tool that was available uh, to me back then. 
So I started learning it and I built like a couple of websites at school, something, uh, some informative websites uh, about uh, environmental issues, so on and so forth. And uh, after that, I un understood that there is a thing called HTML and uh, there was no CSS back then. But HTML, so I, I learned HTML and it started from the, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure uh, when it actually started for me to, uh, to learn PHP. But I stayed for like five years or so only doing HTML and Photoshop and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my next question too, is really like, how long have you been doing PHP for? Uh, I think maybe 10 years. Okay. Maybe. Uh, I think. But actually, like I started PHP, not pure PHP. I was using WordPress to build websites. Uh, to use WordPress, you don't have to be very good at PHP. Like you just know how to start a web server and how to install WordPress. And that's pretty much all you need to do to have a website uh, on WordPress. So yeah, I, you can I, hack around with it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's very easy to, yeah, it, it allows a lot of people who doesn't, who don't have uh, programming knowledge to build websites and to make a living out of it. So yes, despite the fact that many people uh, don't like or don't appreciate how WordPress is coded, how the code is written, but it's, it's a very useful tool. And I think it, uh, it affected or it touched many people's life. Like it, uh, it, it was a tool to make a living, to put food on the table. So I, I really appreciate WordPress. No, that's a really good perspective on yeah. that. Yeah, it is. There's there's tons of people who use it. I mean, obviously it powers, what's that statistic? Like it powers like half the internet or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's a good chunk. Yeah, there's a lot of sites. And as you say, Mohammed, it is super simple to get up and running. Anyone can basically use it. And, you know, if you're... If your goal is basically just to have a presence on the internet, it is probably the easiest. It and Wix, I guess, and things like Squarespace now. But yeah, WordPress has for a long time been, you know, the easiest way to just sure. get on the internet. Um, so how did you kind of stumble into Laravel? What was, you know, what were you working on? What were you needing to do that kind of led you to your first Laravel project or how did you discover it? Well, I, I started my first Laravel project when it was version 4.0, just when it was released. Like uh, back then there was this, uh, this guy who is very popular, but I'm not sure if I'll pronounce his name right. Uh, Dale, Dale Rees. Oh yeah, Dale Rees. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Yep. yeah. His books was very, very clear on how to, uh, how to deal with Laravel. And uh, I got one of the books from one of my friends. He, uh, he sent me the book, so I started reading it, and I, st I downloaded Laravel and started to play around with it. And uh, it was very, very different from WordPress, how you, you build uh, stuff uh, on Laravel. Like, I had no idea how, what is a controller, what is a model, and how to deal with views, and so on and so forth. So it was very different, but the, uh, the book was very simple. Like back then, Jeffrey Way, he wasn't very uh, into Laravel, as I remember, or maybe I, I wasn't like following him back mm -hmm. then. But the, f the, first, the first one who introduced me to Laravel was that book of, uh, of Dale Rees. So I started when it was 4.0. Uh, I was building like a small website. It, it wasn't, uh, uh, Laravel wasn't very much needed. It, I could have done it with WordPress, but I just wanted to try to use that framework was very simple like it was like three three or four controllers uh, a couple of views and that's it 
and that's 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 pretty much how I got introduced to Laravel. So you started like you started square one as far as like MVC framework, like you just went in whole hog. Like so, it wasn't like you were introduced to the world slowly. You just kind of said, okay, this is a tool I kind of want to play with, and I'm going to build kind of a little hobby project here, a little website, and and then it kind of just grew from there, huh? Yes, exactly. That, that's how it is. Like it was like a giant leap for me. I like as I describe it between how how things are built using WordPress and how an MVC framework works. Like I I when I studied Laravel, I was looking for other alternatives because like when you get to to something new, you need to know what's out there besides uh, that thing that you're learning. So I I tried uh, CodeIgniter, I tried KPHP, but like Taylor put a lot of effort to make the syntax or to make Laravel uh, very fluent that you write code and you can read it later. And it's very easy to understand uh, how the code works. And it's very easy to, to do some of the complicated stuff like connecting to a database and retrieving records and doing updates and joins and so on and so forth. It was very easy to learn uh, and very easy to apply. And that's why I, I, I used Laravel from then and I never tried to use any other MVC framework. Yeah, I agree. I started with CodeIgniter and that was kind of my introduction to MVC and trying to figure out what models, views and controllers were. I had it backwards and wrong for a while. It's I actually, we still have legacy applications in place where we had this one single CodeIgniter installation. And I think we have 10 apps, maybe more, running on a single installation. So, <laughs> so we had a single uh, controller for each app. They had their own controller. And then each app had its own model, which was not anything like an entity in your system. It was just, this is how you connect to the database for this application. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I had like a couple views, but almost everything that I did was with Ajax and, you know, changing the page. It was almost like everything was a single page app, but not using anything that would help you do a single page app. Oh my word. So I look back at that code and it's very scary <laughs> to go back to that place. And I'm very <laughs> thankful for Laravel. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was my introduction to uh, to the MVC world and then Laravel. I, I kind of got into Laravel and the light bulb went on. I was like, oh, wait, I've been doing this all wrong this whole time. I've got all this stuff that I've built and it's all wrong, <laughs> but it works. So it's kind of one of those things, you know, as uh, as things get deprecated and kind of break and, you know, the features kind of fall out of alignment with what we are, our needs are. We're slowly getting rid of those old mm -hmm. applications and spinning up new Laravel applications for them. So, yeah. There's hope out there for all of us, even those of us who get MVC wrong for a couple of years. <laughs> if you can even imagine that, a couple of years, not really, <laughs> maybe not a couple of years, maybe a year. So I know that uh, the first time I actually heard your name was Laracon 2015, I believe. Do you remember, was it 2015? When was your hire date? Do you remember when you were hired? Was it 2016? Uh, 2016, yes. Okay, maybe it was 2016 then. L Michael, do you remember at Laracon? I don't think Muhammad had been hired yet when we were at Laracon together in New York, or in no, Louisville. No, that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. No, no I, I was hired in September. September okay. to so that's what it was. So uh, at the Laracon 2016, I remember Taylor uh, mentioning your name a couple of times when he was talking about uh, a lot of pull requests that you had made to do redo a lot of the validation things that were built in Laravel. 
So that was the first time I remember, I remember hearing your name and, and him just talking about how you had basically taken quite a bit of time to rebuild that from the from the ground up, really. Were those sort of your first contributions to Laravel or had you um, always kind of been watching or, or looking around at the community and, and just decided to to do that? Did you have a specific need or a use case that you were that you were struggling with that kind of drove you to do those pull requests and get started with just kind of contributing to the framework? Well, actually, uh, my first pull request to Laravel uh, is my first pull request ever. Like I never contributed to any other open source project when I started contributing to Laravel. And uh, back then I was working on uh, a project uh, and uh, there was like a very little problem with the validation, like a, a very tiny bug, like something that nobody can notice it's an edge case or so i can't remember what issue was it specifically but uh, i started to to tinker around and take a look at the uh, the source code for the first time and i thought back then that i was able to to fix it and uh, i learned how to open a pull request and i did my first pull request and opened it and i think that fir very first one was closed it wasn't like uh, accepted we've wasn't been there merged. we've both been uh, there before but i tried to rework <laughs> Where, yeah, you work on something that, yeah <laughs> go ahead i tried to rework it until like i came up with something that uh, taylor found acceptable and that's it he merged that pull request and that's my it was my first time and i liked it i liked the, the idea of uh, of having my code in a framework that millions uh, use over the uh, the globe so I started to look into the validator and try to find things that I can fix or things that I can make uh, better or new features that I can add new validators and stuff. And that's pretty much how, how it all started. Nice. I guess I was just going to say the one of the really nice things uh, about Laravel and one of the things that makes it so easy to contribute to is how particular Taylor is about not just the code that he allows people to write, using the framework, but the code that he writes for the framework itself. So when you start digging into the internals of the framework, you you realize how much care and concern he's put into even the parts that are kind of tucked back into the corners. So it's all very readable. And if you're looking to fix something, you can kind of work your way through the code and very logically step through the different classes and find, okay, here's that particular place where this needs to change. So not to say that it can't be challenging to change things, right? But if there's maybe a particular bug that you're, that you're dealing with, you can find it because you can read his source code, which I very much appreciate. So, and I'm, I'm totally on board with you too, Mohammed. When I made my first pull request to Laravel, which it was just basically just fixing some bug, you get that pull request merged in and it's like, wow, this is awesome. It's like you said, that feeling of, having your code in a framework that millions of people around the globe are using. That's a really cool feeling and it kind of pushes you to want to do that some more. That's really cool. Yes, it's very cool. Like like I, I keep like when when that first pull request was merged, I keep like whenever I meet any of my friends with their laptop and they are using Laravel and I, I open their laptop and uh, I look into the source code where I put my line that, that fix I did and I tell them this this line of code is mine and it's on you it's on your laptop and it it's on everyone's laptop so i am global That's now really i'm international cool. <laughs> uh, so mohammed you you are we, we touched on it you are now uh, employee i guess technically number one of laravel how how did your you know your pull request and the journey from that pull request to you know you putting in your your resume and applying for that job 
that that Taylor announced late last year. What what was that process sort of like for you? Well, uh, during the period before uh, Taylor announced uh, that he wants uh, to hire someone, during this period I was periodically uh, into the Laravel community trying to uh, to come up with uh, pull requests, add feature ideas. Uh, I was like speaking with people on Twitter and to try to find things that they find uh, hard to do with Laravel to try to, to make it easier. So it's I was just like trying to contribute as much as possible to the framework and I also tried to write some packages uh, that might that might make it easier for developers to even uh, write more more functionalities into their applications, functionalities that aren't supported in the core. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Like during this period, I was purely trying to to get myself involved into the community as much as possible. And uh, one thing that I'd like to mention here that people are very helpful in the Laravel community. Like during this period, I was very naive, and there are there were a lot of stuff that I don't understand. But people were very, very helpful. Like they, they just tried to to help everyone. Like when they found that I'm trying to do something, they try to help me. They try to install a fresh application and try to uh, to see what I am trying to, uh, to to describe and try to replicate it themselves and then come up with solutions for it or come up with with where 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 is it in the code that have this specific implementation or or how this this or that thing works so people are very helpful in the laravel community unlike like maybe uh, in the wordpress community there are a lot of good people but like since it's a very huge community like uh, when you ask a very naive question sometimes n- nobody answers or nobody mm. cares to to look at it but in the laravel community i i remember now that some of the of the questions that are very naive people really care to answer me and try to help me so during this period our, our because of this thing, it made me like want to contribute more and want to help more. By the time Taylor announced that he's looking for help for uh, an employee to uh, to work with him, I wasn't like I wasn't very sure if I'll be fit into this position. Like Laravel is a, a very big framework, and Taylor, to me at least, is like a very professional developer. And I'm I wasn't sure if I'll be able to. To fit into the job, like uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I have the, the right skills. I'm not sure if I have like the proper knowledge into Laravel to be able to work with the creator of the framework and help him. But anyway, like I talked to to Taylor before that a couple of times, and he asked me if I if I should apply to the job, like if I if I am interested. And I'm told I told him yes, I will, and I did. And it took like maybe a couple of weeks mm-hmm. before he. Uh, we, we scheduled an interview uh, on Skype where we talked a bit. He talked about what he, what parts of uh, the, the Laravel community or the Laravel uh, organization he wants uh, the employee to work on, like to do uh, some stuff on Forge and Envoyer and uh, to work on Spark and to work constantly on fixing issues on the GitHub accounts, so on and so forth. And like a few days after that, he, he reached out to me and told me that uh, I'll be working with him, and it was like, uh, <laughs> it was like a, I wasn't very sure how how should I act. Like I was very excited, but very very yeah. worried. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I'll be working with the creator. Yeah, yeah you know, so. you know, it's the right job. Yeah, it's definitely yes. for sure. Yeah, you. What do they say? You don't want to be the best developer on the team, right? You want to always have somebody that's above you, that's kind of pushing you to learn more. 
And so, yeah, what an opportunity to yes. be able to work with Taylor and, and learn from one of the best in our industry for sure. Yes. Yeah. That's that's pretty much how I felt. And so now that now that you are working there since September, so what, for seven months or so, thereabouts. Yes. Yeah. You know, I you've think. you've done some pretty cool things. You've you've brought the uh, the Forge API to the masses, and I see you've now this last week put out the the sort of unofficial, I guess. SDK to go along with that, which will make things easier for people wanting to leverage the API. Um, what other what other kind of things have you been working on? I know you mentioned that that Spark was one of the other bits and pieces that you were looking at. You're triaging issues and things like that on GitHub. Yes, I constantly look into the the GitHub issues of Spark and I try to to replicate the issues people are reporting and to dis- distinguish between uh, actual bug reports or people like just not very familiar with how things should work. Mm-hmm. And if there is a bug, I try to fix it. And if there is like uh, a feature request, I discuss it with Taylor and see if he's okay with it. If he finds it uh, valuable to be added to the core, I try to work on it mm-hmm. uh, until we, we come up with, with something that he, he, he can accept and uh, the community can accept or the, the customers who, who put Spark can accept. And otherwise, like for people who, who are just not familiar with how things should work, I try to help them uh, answer their questions and try to aid them to achieve what they are trying to achieve. So that's mainly what, what I am doing on, on Spark. I'm not sure like the, there is no like schedule for the next release, the next major release for Spark. Mm-hmm. But until then, that's, that's, that's what I'll be doing until uh, Taylor decides that it's time for the second uh, big uh, release for uh, for Spark. So we discuss what features do people need and uh, what changes we can do, so on and so forth, to work on it. So cool. that's that's pretty much what I do in Spark. How has it been nice. handling the time difference for you guys? I know we, we maybe talked about this a couple of minutes before we started the show, but the, the time difference between you and Taylor is, what, about seven hours, something like that? I think Taylor and I are in the same time zone. Yes, I believe. Like uh, okay. I, I usually I usually wake up like 7:30 uh, a.m. my time, and uh, I have the whole morning trying to I can go uh, dive I can go with uh, my wife on walks or so can get anything done in the morning until like 12 p.m. Uh, at this time I sit on my laptop and I start looking into GitHub issues I start looking into people asking for stuff or uh, bugs that that were introduced during the, the during the, the the night or during the morning and try to fix him so i i technically start working at 12 p.m taylor wakes up very early in the morning as well but he doesn't reach out to me until it's 2 p.m my time uh, during this period i think he he starts to first to to answer people on twitter to answer people sending him emails support requests uh, for Spark, he starts to look into them. Like I kind of, I, I see he's active, uh, he's answering people, he's retweeting stuff, but we just start speaking when it's like 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. here. We start to uh, to look into what we'll be doing uh, today or uh, if there is anything interesting that I, uh, that I should get him to look into, like if there is a very specific bug that... Uh, we have been discussing for like a few days and nobody can come up with a solution and, and we are, or maybe someone 
proposing a feature that we uh, I would like Taylor to look into and see if we can if we should uh, come up with a PR or not if he's interested to get that into the core or not so that's that's pretty much how how we start the day and during the day during the day we just like everyone every every now and then he 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 reached to me like to look into a specific stuff or he asks me if if I saw that guy who who opened an issue regarding this or that, or maybe the, some Spark feature requests that he would like me to look into, so on and so forth. Very cool. So it sounds like a large part of your job is helping to triage the the large, the you know vast number of issues and pull requests that are opened across all the different Laravel uh, repositories. Yes, yes. That that's like it takes like most of my time. I'm on GitHub uh, looking into issues in the different repositories and try to replicate them. Replicating issues like it, it takes a lot of time to replicate uh, some of the edge cases to try to to understand how why the framework behaves this way. Sometimes it's intended, but it's not documented. Like not everything is documented. Like you can doc document everything. So some of mm -hmm. the issues that people report are just it's it's how it should work. It's it's how the code is written for it to work. Sure. Other stuff are like uh, actual. Uh, actual bugs that I, I need to look into. But first, I have to replicate the issue. So I spend most of the time trying to replicate issues on the different repositories. Gotcha. I suppose that's kind of a good time, too, to ask about your setup. So you spend a lot of time in GitHub. Um, you know, What are some of the tools that you use? What's the environment that you're using to program in? Are you a Windows guy? Are you a Mac guy? Are you a Linux guy? Do you use Sublime Text, PHP Storm, Vim? What is, what is your tool set of choice? Well, I'm using uh, a MacBook, and I'm using Valet to uh, to. I mean, that's that's the server uh, that I use to to run the different applications. I am using PHP Storm and sometimes Sublime. Good man. Uh, I use Sublime uh, Sublime when I try to edit like a single file, not a project. PHP Storm when it is like a whole project that I'd like to to be able to to look into different parts of the code or different files. I think you like PHP Storm. <laughs> I'm just giving Michael a big thumbs up here because this is such a funny area of contention for us. We're always talking about this, uh, you know, <laughs> which editor we're using. I'm just seeing Michael's smirk as you're saying, oh, yeah, I use PHP Storm for large projects. Can sublime for like editing one off. So that's exactly what I do. So I'm just kind of rubbing Michael's face in it a little bit. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Well, uh, that's that's pretty much my environment. Like, I don't have any special tools to um, to deal with GitHub. Like, there are a couple of, of very nice Chrome extensions, but I don't usually I, I don't use them. I tried a couple, but uh, I'm not really into them. I just deal with the interface as it is, and that's it. Like, I don't have any any other special tools. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, sounds very very similar to uh, what myself and probably even Michael uses, yeah. with the exception of the editor. Mister Mister Michael is. A little bit more professional yeah. than you and I. Mm -hmm. uh, he uses Vim. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could go on all day. Yeah, I am. Um, I actually reformatted my work machine because it was just running really, really poorly. So when it got reinstalled, I installed Chrome, I installed Sublime, I installed Valet, and SQL, and that was the. I and I mean PHP Storm is on there because I'm I'm trying to give it a go, but. Just, I just needed to get out of my way. Yeah, I know. And Michael, just as a, you know, you don't need to reformat the computer. You just have to close those tabs that are open in Vim. You just keep opening new tabs when you, you can't, you can't figure out how to get out. Yeah, it's colon Q. It didn't matter. It's colon Q, buddy. It didn't matter. Oh, it didn't man. matter. 
Also, I've got all of Very my nice. hard disk back now. Very nice. Did you lose it? Your hard disk, you said? I don't, yeah. I don't know where oh, all yeah, my yeah. disk space went. So, I'm hoping I can yeah, there you go. keep it free now. There you go. Uh, well, Mohammed, you know, I've asked probably most of the questions that I had written down here. Michael, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask Mohammed? Uh, just one. And, and I know I'm not going to get any answers out of Muhammad on this, but uh, it, it must be pretty cool working very closely with Tail. I know that there's only a very small group of people that, that knows sort of what's on the horizon <laughs> in terms of, nice. of Laravel projects. But, I, I mean, does, is that difficult for you that, you know, knowing obviously or potentially knowing more things than what the community at large will know? Is it fun to sort of be keeping those kind of secrets or does it not really affect you too much? Well, I just want to say that not everything, not everything I'm familiar with. Like Taylor doesn't, he doesn't tell me everything he's working on. Sure. Like, sometimes he shares stuff, but other times or most of the time it's, it's top secret even from me. Like it's not that I am going to, to expose it, but he likes to, uh, to keep everything in a very minimum environment until he is very satisfied with it and he he's ready to share it with yeah. with others but uh, speaking of horizon yes i know what is it <laughs> i know but but okay. i can't say <laughs> i was gonna say the next question is do you care to share what horizon is with our listening audience and uh i think that's what we figured the answer would be but hey you gotta try yeah. you gotta try no that's right i can't <laughs> i'm i'm sure we're all we're all we're all looking forward to finding out what uh what horizon is uh, it should be a, a good announcement, hopefully, at uh, at Laracon in uh, in New York this year. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's been some rumblings in the community uh, as far as hunches as to what people think it is. I still have no clue. Not a clue. It probably oh, is some way to stop you from using PHP Storm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I hope you're yanking. I don't know if you're <laughs> yanking my chain or not. I can't tell. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll end on that mm-hmm. note. Leave everybody on a uh, on a little bit of mystery. So, Mohammed, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show with us this morning. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jacob, and thank you, Michael. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. we get a chance to see Thanks, you Muhammad. at uh, Laracon this year. That'd be awesome. I really hope. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Cool. <laughs> thank you. Take it easy. We want to take a quick second here to recognize the first sponsor that we've had since Michael and I have actually been doing the podcast. And so we're super excited to have partnered with eyewitness.io. And I'm going to spell that for you so that you can go check out their website. It's E-Y-E witness.io, just so that you don't get confused with that. But eyewitness is a monitoring solution for your Laravel applications. So there's plenty of monitoring solutions out there that you could choose. But one of the things that I really like about eyewitness is the installation is incredibly simple. So all of the configuration and things like that is actually handled by the package itself. So all you have to do to get started is composer require eyewitness slash I no publishing needed. You just push in the service provider and run a command and that's it. There's no config changes or anything. It literally takes about 15 seconds to install, notwithstanding composer changes, things like that. But some of the things that it offers is queue monitoring. So I've had this happen plenty of times before where I'll be running a database queue in the background and it just is silently failing. And I don't find out about it until maybe the next day. So I have donations that were supposed to run the the day previous and 
I now have to explain to the people who were waiting for them why it took an extra day. So it's got queue monitoring that will let you know if your queues are backing up. So it will let you see like, oh, you have a thousand queues waiting to be done. So you need to go check that out. It will handle failed queues. So when you get a queue that does fail, it actually provides a really nice little user interface for you where you can quickly retry or delete any failed jobs or retry all jobs without even having to SSH into the server. You can just jump onto the UI and, and do it straight from there. You can look at all of your cron jobs and your scheduler jobs that are running and when they've last run, which is incredibly helpful. If you're not using Envoyer, which Taylor Otwell created, of course, which has heartbeats, this is a great way to do that. And this actually provides quite a bit more detail as far as when they last ran. Heartbeats on Envoyer will let you know if you give it a warning time. Hey, it's supposed to run under 15 minutes. It'll hit you with a Slack message. This will tell you when it last ran, what the schedule status is, what your cron schedule is, when it's next due to run. They've got log management, so you can remotely view your logs directly from your dashboard. They've got email monitoring. They've literally got everything that I could possibly have thought of in one package, and it's $10 per application, which is incredibly reasonable if you have anything in production. So I would highly recommend you check eyewitness.io out. We're super glad to have them as a sponsor this week. Oh, I also wanted to mention as well, before I forget here, so I mentioned it's $10 for an application, but they also have a 14-day free trial that you can use. So just head over to the website and you should be able to try that out real quickly as well. And uh, they also have a really generous cancellation policy. You can get back 30 days money back guarantee. So they're very confident in their service that you'll like it once you start using it. So definitely check that out. Uh, that was a good talk. That was fun. And actually, that was Muhammad's yeah, very first interview, he said. He did yeah. a great job. That, yeah. was, that was really cool. He did a great yeah. job for a first interview, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised no one's interviewed him I am now. as well. And I'm honored that we got to be the first. Very so much let's so. jump into some of the things that were put out on Laravel News the last two weeks. One of the things that I'm pretty excited about that was uh, released uh, is, well, and I suppose not released yet. It was slotted to be released in 5.5. Uh, is that you can now, I say now, okay, you will be able to render mailables to the browser. So have you ever had that situation where you're trying to build an email, maybe a welcome email, or maybe a, hey, we are now announcing this thing, and you constantly have to send it to MailTrap or to uh, Litmus or to something like that, so you can actually see a preview of that HTML markdown email. Have you ever had that situation? Yeah, mm -hmm. and you, usually yep. what I almost end up doing a lot of times is before it was like using Markdown or whatever, I would actually make an HTML view, right? And then I would just render it out in a, in a route and just so I could take a yeah. look at it. And so I think Farik actually had mentioned this, basically said it would be really nice if we could do this, if we could render these mailables in the browser. And so I know there was some back and forth as far as what that looked like. But the way that you accomplish this really is you just kind of make a test route in your web.php routes file. And then you just return the mailable so that you have these mailable classes. So you just say return new and then whatever the name of your mailable class would be. So welcome email, uh, maybe. And it will render that out as HTML and spit it out to your browser. So it allows you to quickly iterate on your design and on the different pieces that you need to change to get it to look like exactly what you want. And then when you're done, you just do what you normally do, which would be mail, send, and then the name of your mailable. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty along easy. with that, in 5.4, there was the introduction of markdown emails. And 
one of the things that you can actually do right now is ships with a default theme, but you can actually generate your own custom theme where you can write your own CSS for the buttons and for the headers and the body and the tables and different things like that, uh, which is, you can, you can do that right now, which is great. But in 5.5, it's gonna actually make it even easier to switch between some of those themes. Uh, so the, basically the way that you do it is you just write your own custom CSS file and you drop it in a, a specific location in the, in the framework directory. And you can then in your, I think maybe in your mail configs, your mail.php, I think, you change yep. what the theme is. But in 5.5, you will actually be able to specify per mailable theme. So you can say, hey, this specific mailable, I want it to use this theme. And then this next mailable, I want it to use a different theme. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. It's just specified on the mailable class itself as a protected variable. Nice. Yeah. Nice and yeah, easy. absolutely. And the next thing I wanted to talk about was dusk tests on continuous integration platforms. Have you gotten a chance to mess with any of the dusk test stuff? I have started writing tests in 5.4, which I guess is dusk, yep. right? That's right. Yep. yep. So, yeah, but not on any CI platform as yet. Yeah. So you can um, run them locally, which is awesome. It's it's really helpful for sure. One of the challenges we faced was we were able to run these locally, but we basically had to remember to run them locally before we we pushed production code. Our GitHub repositories are hooked up with uh, Style CI and Travis, which uh, are both you know continuous integration pipeline little things, but. Travis was not really able to do our dusk tests, which was good and bad. Good in that our tests ran faster. So all of our PHP unit tests that we normally would have run, run on Travis, no big deal. But I was, we had messed around with trying to get it to work, trying to get dusk tests to work on Travis and just had not had any success. So Muhammad, I think, actually posted something about this and had been working on this. But they've got it working now on Travis and on style CI. So there's a tutorial on Laravel News out there, basically what are the specific things that you need to do in order to make that possible. I think some of them are just which which sort of box you're using. I know that on Travis, you need to use the sudo enabled uh, Ubuntu trusty environment, which has the mm -hmm. correct Chrome version uh, that Dusk uses or the Chrome driver, you know, whatever it, whatever it needs in order to do whatever that magic yeah, is sure. that works in the background. That's the... That's the sort of setup that you need to use to make that work. And then they've got an example Travis.yaml file out there. And then they've got some stuff for Circle CI as well for those who might be using that. So very cool. Very much appreciated. I'm definitely going to be uh, making this part of our deployment process or I guess not deployment process, part of our process of getting code approved and merged into our production branch. So looking forward to that. Yeah, cool. Uh, we'll put a link in that one for the, in the show notes yeah. for that as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about migrations? Yeah. So as part of Laravel 5.4.17 that came out uh, this past week, there was an announcement that the way that the Laravel migrations are run is going to change. And the change, for anyone who's sort of been playing along and, and listening into what some people have been saying in the community, it's some, there's, there's like this faction, I guess, that that doesn't believe in the down migration method um, and, you know, rolling back migrations and things like that, which can run into some issues. And there's a couple of ways of, of working around it so that those down migrations are never run. They might just, you know, blow away your entire database and then re-run your migrations from scratch. So now 
if you don't want to have a down migration so that you can roll back, what the uh, migrations will do for you is if the down method or even the up method does not exist, then instead of you know exploding how it does currently, it will just skip that migration. Um, so anywhere where you're sort of defining you know foreign key constraints and things like that, which can have issues in in being rolled backwards from time to time, depending on what data you have and how that that foreign key came into existence. If you just omit the down method in your migration going forward, um, as of five point four point seventeen, the the migration just won't run that that down method and and skip on to the next one in the chain. And um, so that's kind of handy in those instances. Yeah, I've had. I don't know if I've ever necessarily had a time where I rolled back a single one in production, like a single migration. That's kind of the use case, mm-hmm. though, is you've got a migration that you're running on your production stuff, and you run the command, and it does up, which maybe adds a column or does a couple things, creates a new table, whatever. And then the idea is that in the case that that broke everything, you can run the PHP artisan migrate, I think, or not down, I guess it's going to be like revert or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the command is. Yeah. And that will... Uh, or maybe it's rollback. I think maybe rollback, and it will take it'll take yeah, off back. your most recent migration. It will run the down method. So that's that's it. in theory. That's kind of what it's supposed to do. I, again, I don't know if I've actually ever done that on a production app. Maybe one time. Maybe one yeah. time. So I think the argument is that sometimes the down method can cause a little bit more hassle than than not. If you get stuck in the middle of a set of down migrations, it can cause some issues because. If something freaked out during your down, maybe it removed a table already on the on the first command mm. and the second command uh, caused an error. Well, when you go to run it again, Laravel is going to say, I never completed that migrate down. So it's going to try and remove that table again and it's already gone. So now it's going to fail on the first one. And so now yeah. you're stuck. So what you have to do in those situations is you have to go blow away the entire migrations table in your database and then start. you kind of got to start from scratch anyway. So mm. that was addressed actually in 5.5. There's going to be a new helper to kind of handle that almost that exact situation, which is the new uh, fresh command. So you say migrate colon fresh. And what that does is it completely ignores any down methods that you would even have. It drops all the tables and just starts fresh. So it starts running at the beginning and goes and does through all your up methods on your migrations. So that's kind of handy. Mm. I, that would have been... I mean, there's there's definitely times I would I would use that. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would still be careful. I, these are the kind of things that generally you're only going to run during development. Obviously, you don't want to drop your production database unless you've taken a backup of it, right? Always take a backup anytime you're messing with any of your production data or any any data that is critical to running your application. Obviously, run backups, but basically ignoring the fact that foreign keys exist is potentially going to lead to some issues down the track. I know that that is often a stumbling block if you're running a down migration and you get those, you know, those cryptic MySQL or MariaDB errors where it's like error 150, something about your foreign key and you've got to go and figure out what it is that doesn't match up. I don't know. I would probably, as I said, always take a backup of your database anytime you're going to migrate. That is probably the key takeaway. No matter how how you choose to go about running your migrations, whether you you do do your down migrations or if you're always just doing a, a roll forward, you know if you if you come into an issue with running that migration 
in production you have some issue or whatever rather than trying to revert and and whatever else deploy an older version of your code and and uh, restore your database backup but when you fix it i would generally myself look to you know create a new a new commit a new version of my code base that that fixes the issue by rolling forward by introducing some new functionality rather than trying to figure out how to go backwards yeah taylor had said something at one point which is basically like his idea was i don't run break i don't create breaking migrations ever that was his answer yeah i just don't (laughs) do that just don't do stupid stuff with your migrations you should be all set on 5.4.17, yeah. there was also something called the times method, I think, released on on uh, the Laravel collection stuff. You want to talk about that real quick, Michael? Yeah, so just uh, it's a it's basically just a, a times method on the collection class, which allows you to basically carry out some action a certain number of times. So the example that we've got in, in the post on Laravel News, and thanks to Joseph Silber for the contribution of this method, um, it allows you to basically generate a, a numerically indexed slug. So you could have, you know, run the times method five times and each time return the incremented value. So I guess you could think of it as basically a for loop in in a collection pipeline, which is kind of handy if you want to do... The other example that they have here is showing generating products using model factories. And then each time you create a new product, it would increment the product number. So you'd have product number one, number two, up until you get to however many times that you wanted to to run through that collection. Yeah, method. so it just build, it basically can builds up a collection for you. So you can say, hey, iterate over this five times. The typically what I had done in the past with this is I would do a collection of a range. So I'd say collect and then range one comma five, I think, or something like that. And basically I would get a collection of the keys yeah. that I wanted and then I would do a each or a map over those and and do it that way. But this makes us uh, more convenient and uh, a faster way to do that exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, so earlier this week, I was actually browsing around on one of Spady's open source packages for Laravel. I'm trying to remember exactly what one it was. Oh, it was uh, dealing with view validation. And I was looking through the code and had noticed that Farik had in there in one of his routes. Um, maybe that's not even the right word to say. One of his URLs that he was referencing, he had used the word action. And I didn't understand what that was. I was like, what is action? He's generating a URL using the word action. So I opened up my handy PHP storm, typed in the word action and command clicked that thing and it took me right to the source. Wow, isn't that amazing how that works? And so I just looked at that. (laughs) Go ahead, let's just snap your remark. (laughs) My sublime text does that as well. I know. I've seen Adam do it too. It's pretty pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, it basically is another way to generate a URL. And the way that it works is to reference a controller and a method on that controller and then generate the URL to that location. I had never seen this before. And it's been out forever. I think since four something. And I somehow missed mm. that. So I was curious and said, I wonder how many other people are using this? Like, am I the only one who doesn't know about this? So I put a Twitter poll out there and said, how many, you know, which way is it that you guys are and girls are generating your URLs? And so the three options that I had given were action. Are you using action? Are you using the route helper? Or are you just using plain string URLs? So overwhelmingly, the response was that people use the route method 77 percent of the voters which out of the out of 500 total 
uh, use the route helper. So Laravel, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Laravel News, uh, Eric Barnes wrote up a post on this and kind of said, and his take on it, I think, was that he uses string URLs in a lot of stuff, uh, which I was appalled about, Eric, how dare you? Um, yeah. But but uh, he, he took the time to break down all the different options you have for generating URLs. So we talked about action already and how you can pass the controller and the method. So you'd say action user controller at profile, just like you specify in your routes file, you give the name of the controller at and then the name of the method. That's exactly what you do when you use the action helper to generate a URL. It's the same signature. Mm. And then you can also pass through parameters after that as a second argument. Uh, So if your route takes parameters like the ID of a product or something like that, you can pass that through as well as a second parameter. You also have the Laravel route helper, which the way that you utilize that is to actually name a route in your routes file. So if you've been using routes for any amount of time, you're probably familiar with what that is. Uh, So you can give your routes a name and there's convention around that. So if I have a users table and I wanted to create a new user, the way that you would name that would be users dot or or user dot create. And that's how you would reference it in your route helper. So you'd say route user dot create, and that's going to generate a URL link for you pointing to that route location. There is also another one which I've never really used, which is the Laravel URL helper, which basically what it does is it prepends any relative path that you have as a absolute path. So if you had put in URL and then user slash profile, it would return a full URL string to the name of your website. So HTTP colon slash slash, et cetera, and then the user profile on the end. Uh, and then you just have straight up user strings, which some people use and um, not a fan. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It, it really does depend on the, si- on the size of your application. Uh, what were you going to say there, Michael? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, when it comes down to it, the the route helper and the action helper both work in a very similar way. That you know they're both going through your routes file. One's matching on, I guess, the route name key in your route dev- or the name of your route, and the action helper is looking at the users portion of the the route. So I don't know. I think conventionally, yep. is that a word? By convention, using the route helper is probably less cognitive overhead. You know, you know, as you said, it's users.create or users.show and it's going to be the same for users as it is for posts, as it is for whatever else, if you're following that convention. You know, the action help is, I guess, the same. It's probably going to be more keystrokes. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that much quicker or faster. I certainly wouldn't use... Actually, that's that's a lie. The only place I use the URL help, helper is for public assets so you know static things that are within the image you know public images or something like that and and the only place i use url strings myself is where laravel's auth sort of boilerplate uses them for sure. you know, login and log out and register um you know th- those kind of things that are fairly you know plain and they're not yeah. going to change the, one other thing that i use i use route everywhere so you had said something on twitter about like i don't ever see people using route in their tests I'm raising my hand right now. You mm. can see it on the screen. I use route in my tests yeah. all the time. So um, <laughs> the other advantage that I suppose action and route both hold this advantage, which is that you can change the actual URL, like the actual URL that your application would use, and you don't have to update any of the paths in your application. So if I decide later that I want 
to create new users and by instead of going to user slash create, if I want it to be users or I want it to be invitee slash or something like that. If I want to actually change the URL structure mm -hmm. that my application is going to use, I don't have to go through any of my code to change any yep. of that because it's specifying a route name anytime I'm using route or it's specifying a controller and a method uh, when I'm using action. So those are the benefits that route and action yeah. get you. And I just thought we'd mention those on the air real quick because they, uh, they are worth discussing for sure. Cool. Yep. We've also got the Laravel Forge a PHP SDK. Michael, you want to talk about that? Yeah, we, we touched on it briefly when we spoke with Muhammad earlier in, in the podcast. And we've got the, the, there is a post on Laravel News, which we'll link in the show notes that goes into a bit more detail about that and, uh, and the different methods. So obviously, it's the, being an SDK, it's, it's a wrapper around the Forge API. This is, quote unquote, an unofficial SDK. Whilst it's been written by, by Muhammad himself, it's not, it's not released under the Laravel organization or anything at this time so but yeah just just an easy way of of talking with the the forge api through your php application if if that's what you want to cool. do yeah and uh, i guess that there were probably three or four different packages and tutorials that that were published on laravel news this week and unfortunately we don't don't have any more time we've we've held you <laughs> on long enough so we will certainly link them up in the show notes and you can check them out there excellent all right. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to record this morning, Michael. And actually, I should be thanking me. I'm thanking me right now. I'm going to, I'm actually Thank going you. to. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I think that wraps it up then. Thank you everyone so much for listening. This is episode 35. So you can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 35. Uh, if you'd like the episode, please feel free to rate us up in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. We always appreciate getting five-star reviews. And uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Michael or myself on our personal Twitter accounts or at Laravel News. Michael, always a great time, man. I am going to go to bed. Always. <laughs> Thank you so much for getting up. I think it must be my turn I think so. next time. I think so. All right. Take it easy. <laughs> All right. Have a good one.